Hi friends, just a brief little addendum to this episode you are about to hear. I am outside, so you will probably hear some birds going. Um, I've made a decision to change the direction of the podcast, um, both of my podcasts. So jokes on me coming up with creatures of change because I mean, really where that came from is many of us, arguably all of us, because we are all constantly having to adapt to change, but some of us also really love change and that is me. So I thought it would be fun to do a podcast on that, but turns out it was only intended to be for one brief little season. And now I am shifting my online focus to an exciting new development um, called Bad Bitch Therapist. So soon we will be relaunching in this podcast feed bad bitch therapist podcast in early 2023 but i didn't want these creatures of change conversations or the past body full conversations to get lost and go away forever so i'm just leaving them here in this feed labeled as the podcast they are so you can continue to find those enjoy those share them and meanwhile watch for brand new episodes coming in early 2023 of Bad Bitch Therapist Podcast. Thanks, guys. We've all said it at some point. I'm just a creature of habit. And sure, there's a lot to say for consistency and routine. But what about that other aphorism? The only constant in life is change. Maybe we're creatures of change, too. In this podcast, we'll explore change from a variety of perspectives. Stories of people who've made huge changes in the trajectory of their lives, others who've made small but lasting and impactful changes in their day-to-day lives, and we'll also just nerd out about the science of human behavior and how we can get better at executing the small changes and embracing the big ones. I'm Valerie Martin, and you're listening to Creatures of Change. Hi friends, welcome back to Creatures of Change. I am sitting here once again recording this intro in my sports bra after finishing my morning workout. Um, I, Since I am still stubbornly doing all of the podcast things by myself, I've not yet got up the YouTube videos for episodes one and two onto the channel, but they are uploaded, so I just need to caption and all of that, which hopefully by the time you're listening to this, will be done um, because I should have some time to do that later today. So you can stay tuned on my socials at Val K. Martin, V-A-L-K-A-Y Martin. Um, And I'll let you guys know when the videos are up and then hopefully for this and future episodes, they'll be up pretty quickly after the audio goes up. So um, there is that. And also in the future, I will probably just record the guest intros or episode intros while I'm with the guest. Uh, cause it feels a little weird sitting here and doing this by myself after the fact. Um, so yes, <laughs> that change will be coming too. Um, but while I am here talking to you one-on-one, I will share that I got back in town five days ago now from my seven-day silent retreat, and I can't begin to say how 
transformative it was. I'm in the middle of writing a blog post about that, which hopefully will be also ready later today. Um, Have some time to work on that kind of stuff today. So I just had such a wonderful time. It was um, more challenging in some ways than I expected and less challenging in other ways. Uh, So I'll I'll look forward to sharing that post once that's ready and highly recommend that if you have an opportunity to do a silent retreat, uh, give yourself the gift. Even if it sounds like what the heck are you going to do with your time? You can't read, you can't write, you can't do any of those things. Um, But just being a person and not having an option to stimulate and distract uh, yourself is it's pretty incredible. So, um, I don't think there's a whole lot that I want to get into for today. If you are listening from Nashville, just know that we do have a couple of groups at the Gaia Center with current availability, so you can check that out on our website, gaiacenter.co, or let me know if you have any questions. And let's get into our guest bio. Uh, I had so much fun recording this conversation recently with my friend Rosa. Rosa Castano worked in the tourism and hospitality field, leading sales campaigns across the country for two of the largest tourist industries in the Nashville market, um, and then was forced to pivot during the pandemic, which you'll hear all about in our conversation. So that allowed her to make a pivot to the wellness industry, um, where she has since completed a 200-hour yoga teacher training, which is how we met um in 2019 and also since then has completed a 200 hour meditation teacher training and now is fully focused on bringing workplace well-being to businesses and also in individual one-on-ones wellness focused sessions um she leads yoga classes and rosa is just a dynamic person so you will hear that come through in our conversation you can find more about rosa and her services her offerings for businesses and for individuals at rosacastano.com and of course these links will be in the show notes as well and you can follow her on instagram at wellbeingwithrosa all right let's get into the conversation with rosa castano I'm super excited to chat with you. It's been a while. It has been a little bit. Yeah. This um, little thing happened, you know, about the last two years that's kind of made it hard to see people. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I know that some of your pivots, uh, some of the big changes in your life have taken place during that time. So we'll definitely get into that. But I would love to just kind of know that, I mean, when I put this out there, this idea of talking about change, talking about um, the pivots that people have made in their lives, you were the first person who filled out my form, which I loved. I was like, yes, I definitely want to talk to Rosa. Um, And it seems like change is just something that you either, I don't know if you've always embraced it or you've learned to embrace it. Like, how would you describe your relationship with change? I would say a little bit of both because it's one of those things that I didn't even realize I was doing Mm -hmm. until, you know, just in conversations with people and bringing them up and 
they're like, oh, wow, you're doing that. You've done this, this and this. And you've made. And I was like, I guess so. <laughs> um, and because you sometimes do it. I've had changes out of self-preservation. Yeah. I have changes because, you know, they were forced upon me. Life threw you a curveball. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it can either go one or two ways. You can let it cripple you or you can see it as that challenge and rise with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think. Sometimes the other option isn't necessarily an option. Yeah, isn't that the truth? It's, it's more at it really is more out of that self-preservation because sometimes you just do what you have to do and you push through until you get to that baseline where it's yeah. like okay, this feels right again. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, before some of these big changes, would you would you have said that you're usually someone who like takes on a challenge head first, or you? Do you like things to stay consistent? I feel like I'm a little bit of an oxymoron yeah. because both. Uh-huh. Um, when I always would um, give the analogy of like a group project, right? I never wanted to start off in charge. I was always happy to like <laughs> hang out in the background and let somebody else dictate. But I can't sit around and watch chaos happen. Mm. And so I'd inevitably end up in charge of things. And so it's a little bit of both. I'm happy when things can be, you know, consistent and steady just kind of work exactly but then when the opportunity is needed it's I do push through it and I and I look at it as the challenge that can be or how can I do this Mm -hmm. and and kind of just go for it and it's not I'm not someone who is typically very indecisive so when those moments come up for me it feels very foreign because Mm -hmm. usually usually I'm very good at making decisions yep so when that does come up for me, I always get very curious about it because I'm like, why can't I just make a decision? Why am I so indecisive? Ugh. We were talking about, you know, off um, off mic here about a business name. Mm-hmm. I could come up with probably business names for literally everybody else's stuff. <laughs> but when it came from my own, I couldn't find anything that made sense mm-hmm. that um, felt aligned with what I was doing or a word or a phrase that I was like, if I put this out to the world, people will just get it. Yeah. So I stopped letting that be a hindrance and just was like, well, here's my name. That's yes. Like, that's kind of all I've got to it. And then just push through with that one. Yeah. And I will tell you that not one company business that I've worked with is like, mm, sorry, we're not working with you because you don't have a company name. <laughs> right. It's the stories that we build up in our own head. Yes. And then when you just put it out there and just do it, people will come and nobody's going to think otherwise. Yeah, that is so true. And it's so true in in every area. Like there's this planning paralysis that we get. You know, it's like kind of the um, stereotypical example of, you know, somebody wants to take up running. And so instead of just like, I mean, yes, you need a decent pair of shoes to not hurt yourself, right? But you don't need like the top of the top of the top newest technology and running shoes and the best app which app should i use which smartwatch should i use which electrolyte should i use like you can paralyze yourself around trying to plan all the details quote unquote correctly and just never actually start doing the thing exactly and very much the same with business right because there's eight million things that you could let yourself get hung up on or you could know, okay, I've you know taken care of some of those important foundational pieces to protect myself and to know that I'm giving good quality work. I will figure out the rest. Exactly. And it really is exactly that, right? Just start, start imperfectly, but simply mm-hmm. just start. 
And it is, like you said, it translates into so many aspects of life, but very much into business and just kind of figuring out things along the way and pivoting where you need to pivot and, you know, dropping things when it doesn't feel right. And just going, though, and not getting in that analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. And I know so many people who, you know, they have to have their, you know, all the, I have to have all my certifications done. I have to have all of this done. I have to all of mm-hmm. this. But I think they forget a lot about their soft skills that they've learned along the way mm. and how those things in their own lived life experiences really can sometimes mean more when leading with empathy and connection with people and mm-hmm. what you have to teach. Don't get me wrong. The certifications are important, too, to sure. be able to just have that, like, backup, right, and say, like, look, I did study this. I do know it. Yep. But... I know people who are like constantly like looking for the next thing, looking for the next thing, looking for the next thing, yep. and then they'll put off the starting. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's five, 10 years from now, and then what? Yeah. You know, it's never too late to start, but they could have been starting earlier. Right. So you run your own business now, which we'll talk about what that is, but that was not always the plan. That was not always necessarily in the cards for you because there was a family business that you were a part of, right? Tell us about that. It was always the plan for me to run a business, but I did not know (laughs) it was going to be this business. Yeah. Um, I grew up, my mom uh, was a single mom. She started her own company when, oh gosh, at this point, 30 something years ago Mm -hmm. um, in the medical equipment world. And so I really grew up around it. And um, by the time it came for high school to figure out what I wanted to do, I was like, I knew I wanted to study business and I wanted to continue to study Spanish. Mm-hmm. And, but I didn't really know much beyond that. So my mom said, well, before you you know, go waste my money trying to find yourself, yeah. um, why don't you intern for me for a year? Mm. So I said, okay. Um, and I did, and I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, mm. And she is not the type who is going to ever give anything out just because I'm her daughter. Yeah. I started by like cleaning the bathrooms, <laughs> stocking the warehouse, like all of the grunt work. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize at the time, but she was grooming me to know every single aspect of the business from the ground mm-hmm. up. Um, Cause I think in a lot of businesses like that, they there's a sense of entitlement that goes in and that sure. you deserve a certain role just because you are the you know, child of the owner. Uh-huh. And it's, it, you need to have that humility that says like, no, I know how to stock shelves. No, I know how to take this yes. stuff apart. I know how to do everything because if the pandemic has taught us anything that sometimes you will just have to completely scale back mm-hmm. and go back to doing everything yourself. Right. Right. So it's important to know all aspects. So I did. And then I worked my way up and I realized I, one, had a very keen knack for sales, and I really enjoyed what I did um, with her. And I got to work with people all over the world. And as someone who she also instilled a case of wonderlust into, <laughs> um, it was a really fun part because on any given day, I was talking to you know Mexico and Spain and Greece and, mm. and the UK, and I was like, ah, what other business would I be able to do this in? Yeah. So it's one of those things that, you know, you just kind of kept going and growing and college never happened. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole idea was to eventually take over the family business. Yeah. And um, I worked with her for about nine years. In 2015, she had a stroke. Mm. I was with her. It was um, thankfully a very mild one. We got her to the hospital right away. 
And the funny part is that she didn't even have symptoms until we were getting ready to leave. Mm. Like, and when I say symptoms, I mean like the classic telltale of like the droopy arm, okay, the eyes. Um, so she knew something was up. She Y'all was know you so needed she's, to go to the hospital. Ironically, she's left-handed, and so she was like, "My handwriting's all off." Yeah. I watched her um, run into a door frame because her uh. depth perception was off. Um, but she had been driving my siblings home and was like, it was so weird. I kept kind of like veering over into the other mm. side. And so I'm calling my medical friends and they're like, it sounds like it could possibly be a stroke. Yeah. You should really get to her. But mm. uh, one of the things that I've also learned to undo from her is just the, the martyrdom syndromes that she yeah. has. And mm-hmm. classic case was in this one where my little sister had softball practice. She was like, we have to drop your sister off at softball practice first. And Before I was like, going to the ho- ER. I, I was like, absolutely <laughs> not. We're going yeah. to the hospital. Her softball practice will be f- No, no, she has to go. And I was like, you are an insane woman. <laughs> so to, the only way I could placate her was to call a friend to come pick my little sister up from the hospital to bring her to. I know, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but when we were getting ready to leave the hospital, um, they couldn't find anything. They did all the tests. There was no medical huh. reason as to why. And it was because the stroke was, like, the clot was, like, actively happening. Oh, wow. And so I prayed, and I was just like, I know there's something wrong. Please give us a sign before we leave here. We mm. were we had our discharge papers. She was putting on her sweater. And then as she was putting the sweater up over her head, that left arm started to fall. Mm. She was like, I'm not leaving the hospital, am I? Yeah. I said, no, you're not. So we checked her in, and so that happened. So that really changed uh, the trajectory of kind of where my life was going because mm-hmm. at this point I was off on my own. I had my own um, house. You know, my siblings were still in school, um, but I, you know, carefree. I was in my mid twenties. Yeah. And so uh, um, I moved back in with her um, because. We did at that point run a lot of our, uh, most of our business out of the house at that point. Mm-hmm. We had been in a large facility before and scaled down, and scaled down, scaled down to it was just the two of us. Um, so that part was at least easy that the office was in there. But I found myself all of a sudden at, I think I was 25, um, her caretaker running the business, running the household, mm-hmm. and my siblings were still in middle school, high school. Wow. Yeah. So it was having to take care of all of that. Um, I did have another sister, but she wasn't overly helpful. And I think it wasn't from any, like, you know, fault of her own, just the capacity. She was mm-hmm. in, her, like, I think she was maybe 20, 21. Yeah. So I um, found myself having to deal with all of that. And so there was a lot of highs, a lot of lows. But mm-hmm. one of the things that came out of that is that the rose-colored glasses that I saw my mom through through that lens came off mm. with relationships and some other things and it was kind of like that glass shattering moment kind of a reckoning it was yeah. and um it was the hardest decision i ever had to make because she and i really started to get like into fights about you know business and, and her personal life without getting into that part of it mm-hmm. but i saw kind of a part of her that i had never seen before and um that's where the self-preservation came in. Yeah. I was like, I either have to, if I don't step away from this business now, then I don't know what the fate of my relationship with my mom's going to be in the future. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was 
dating my now husband at the time and he was a great support and the hard part is that my mom really wanted to like villainize him mm, um like he's the reason why you're backing away mm-hmm. from this or exactly oh. and 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 you know she has her own um ghost from my mom or my nana's um second husband Mm, having seen when maybe that did happen exactly and that's that's exactly what was happening and Mm -hmm. I and so it was really hard and it took many years thankfully my husband is very resilient yeah (laughs) um you know to not have I mean his feelings were hurt but like to Mm -hmm. overcome that because there was a lot of that so it was I was all of a sudden faced with what I thought was the rest of my life already laid out in front of me, you know, right. taking over the business eventually, and then, you know, creating my own little mini empire with it. Yeah. That after nine years, that being the only thing I knew, stepping away from that. Mm-hmm. And like when you started to think, uh, maybe I'm, maybe this is not my path, did you have in mind kind of like a backup plan or like, what else might I do? What do I want to do? Uh, no, there was no backup plan. <laughs> um, I, what ended up happening was I really had a hard um, think about what do I enjoy? Mm-hmm. I was like, I enjoy Nashville. I enjoy like showing people around here. And I kind of just started looking at things. And it was really hard because at this point I had had nine years of sales experience at a leadership level, both domestic and international. Mm-hmm. So, but I was only 25. <laughs> right, you know? and didn't have that, the piece of paper college degree if That's in case thing. that was going to be a barrier. Exactly, and so I was kind of like, how do I translate my skills, my soft skills, yeah. my actual skills into something that makes people notice what I'm capable of? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it came to me because I really struggled for a while with a little bit of an identity crisis, thinking that people are just gonna be like, oh, she just has a high school diploma. Yeah. And what that, you know, from outside looking in, what that looks like, un- not knowing, you know, what my actual history is. Right. And I was at a dog park one day, and this man, I somehow just struck up conversation with him. He was the CEO of, I don't even know what company. So I was telling him a little bit about like my reservations, and he said, I will tell you that with your sales experience, with your workplace experience, if it was between you and someone who just graduated college, I would pick you every day. Heck yeah. He was Mm -hmm. like time over time. And so that was the first time I had thought about it that way and that really helped me. It just kind of empowered myself and be like, oh, I am valuable in that aspect, right? And like my my knowledge can translate into the workplace outside of, you know, mom's company. Yeah, and also sidebar, like, just what a good example of how powerful our words can be and how we don't know the impact that we, we may have on someone. So it's like exactly. if you see something in someone, like tell them, you know, like that one comment has stuck with you. It has. And I don't know his name, who yeah. he was like. It was just it was just <laughs> crazy. And so I started looking at um, jobs and I find this director of sales position at this entrepreneur company. And uh, I interviewed with them, and I was very, very excited. And, like, the only downside is that, like, the pay was terrible because it was a startup company. Mm-hmm. You know, we promised equity and all this other stuff. And I'm like, um, well, this sounds just so much fun because it was about, like, bachelorette parties yeah. and bringing it into Nashville. And um, I was like, I can do this. I mean, I can plan. I, that sounds, <laughs> sounds easy. I can sell people. 
and uh, it was fun. I got the job. Um, I was one of the very first uh, hires, so it was basically the CEO, um, the COO or CMO, and then myself as director of sales. Mm-hmm. And we built this little company up um, and got like pretty good recognition and then got a TV show on CMT and all yeah. of the hilarity that came with that. But it kind of came to another head where it just didn't feel right anymore. Mm. Yeah. And was that like a sudden kind of realization or was it gradual that you're just like, I think it's time for me to move on? Again, it was both. Yeah. I saw the path of what was happening, but constantly hoping for change for the better. Mm-hmm. And um, another, you know, anecdotal story, I was talking to a mentor of mine. I was asking him, I said, I really am struggling with, like, do I weather the storm mm-hmm. or do I go down with the ship? Like, I don't know. Am mm. I, I going to weather this? And, like, we'll come out on the other right. side. It'll be so great. And he said, never go down with the ship unless it's your own ship. Oof. And even then, it's like, I mean, sometimes we have to see something all the way through. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's also that, like, sunk cost fallacy, right? Like, look, thinking about entrepreneurs who are hemorrhaging money or whatever, right? That they're... Um, I'll double down. I'll dig my heels yeah, in deeper. Yeah, like, no, that's yeah. not the only like, option. Listen to the writing on so, the So, yeah, wall. like, sometimes even if it is your ship, is there a way to ethically jump off? Exactly. <laughs> And I firmly believe that all of my decisions my whole life is just being guided. And I think it's Mm. a point of listening and looking for those signs and the synchronicities because they are there. Mm. So I made the decision. I I swear sometimes you were talking about, you know, like, you know, to throw out the word manifesting, right? Yeah. I thought that week, I remember going to my my now husband and was saying, this, I'm going to start looking. Yeah. I need to I need to get out of this. You know, the, this TV show hadn't even aired. Like mm-hmm. that's how much I knew like I don't believe that what we did is going to impact change mm-hmm. and I'm ready to get off this ship. Mm-hmm. That same week um the an organization that I'm a part of uh in Nashville here called the Troubadour Society, which is the young professional society at the Country Music Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um the director because I was on the the leadership board there she said, out of the blue, you know, we um, we just had a position open up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're even looking, but I just wanted to let you know. And I was like, well, funny enough, I literally just decided this week that I'm looking. Yeah, yeah. But it came from me being so moved by just who she was and as an incredible leader and as an incredible person and as a woman in power in her position that I just invited her to lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, months earlier and just said, I'd really like to just speak with you, like bask in your presence. Yeah. I don't know, something. Um, and <laughs> don't she, ask her to pick her brain, right? <laughs> right, yes. People, no, like, just any other terminology. Would you like to have coffee? Don't pick my brain. That's exactly please. what I was like. Can I just bring you to yeah. lunch? You yeah. know, I'd love to have just like That's a discussion awesome. with you. So we did. And so that was so great. And so again, you see the little breadcrumbs. Like what if I hadn't asked her to launch and like shown that initiative in her, or just yeah. interest in her and that when it did come around, that I was a person that she thought of. And you put yourself, like you said, you were on some kind of leadership committee Mm -hmm. or something with that. Like, that didn't just happen. You, you know, made a decision to do that. So it's like we put ourselves in the path, um, even if we don't know what potential thing that might come of this. And, you know, the more thing, I mean, I I think we can get tripped up on all of the, like, 
we should be saying no more. We should be saying yes more. If it's not hell no, yes, it's hell no. Like, uh, it's not one yeah. thing for every person, but we have to put ourselves in the path of possibility. We do, and I am very um, instinctual and really follow my gut instinct a lot, um, which is something I'm very grateful to have mm -hmm. because it's protected me in a lot of ways and has guided me, but it is it's exactly those one things where you're like, I don't know why I want to ask her, but I'm just going to. Yeah. And um, yeah, listening to that. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. you know where it's a practice of being quiet to be able to hear that and getting in tune and having that self-awareness. Yeah. So um, I ended up interviewing, got the position several several years in, loved it. Um, it was mm -hmm. such a fun way to just be interactive with the city and bring people into the city, and um, I loved it. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, fast forward 2020. Tourism, not so much a thing. Not so much a thing. <laughs> yeah, you have to have tourists to have tourism. <laughs> and uh, everyone held on for a while. And we started working from home. I did my last trade show in Louisiana in March. The um, the world, I think, shut down weeks later. Mm -hmm. And the funny part about that is that in February, we found out that we were pregnant. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's super. Great timing. <laughs> and uh, then May comes around, and they, you know they start, you know, eliminating job positions. And mine was unfortunately one of the ones. And so I find myself five months pregnant and without a job. Mm -hmm. And and I'm guessing that your, your family unit, you and your husband, um, you know, relied on your income, right? Well, thankfully, again, just watching out because my husband had been in the music industry for a long mm -hmm. time. He was a tour manager. That was his full career. Just so happens, you know, once again, in December, November, he started interviewing for a job outside of his outside of the music industry mm. as a tour director and ended up getting the job. And this company thrived during the pandemic. Huh. So this is the one part that I always try to be brutally honest about sure. because I believe that people who have these like inspiring stories about how their job position was eliminated and then they like you know they blaze forth and created this big yeah. big, big like it gives a false sense of reality because sure. the truth is that I've only been able to do what I've done because my husband's job has been able to sustain gotcha. us yeah it gave you the flexibility. It gave me the flexibility. It's but not I, that you couldn't have done what you did. It's just it might have taken longer. It might have looked different. You might have had to have had, you know, side hustles or, you know, some kind of part-time thing while you were building what exactly, you built. Exactly. Yeah. But I always like to try to be transparent about yeah. that to not give That's people great. a false sense of reality. Because mm -hmm. there are so many people who get into this mindset of like, I'm unfulfilled in my work. I need to go follow my passion. And then they'll just freaking quit their job. Just quit it cold turkey. No savings. Like, no plan for action. Put no put yourself in that position. Exactly. I'm like, I'm all about you taking risks, but yes. take calculated risks. Yes. Set yourself up for Be success. Be a grown up about it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then go forth and conquer. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So, so you had that flexibility. Mm -hmm. So when your job was eliminated, it wasn't like an emergency but you were probably going, uh, what do I do now? Exactly. And that is where, you know, had to pivot again because again, I always knew I was going to own my own company, but didn't know it was going to be, you know, I thought it was going to be in the medical, yeah. my, my mom's company. 
Um, but then even outside of her thing, I always knew I was like, there's still something inside me that's like, I want to have my own company. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, she introduced me, you know, in my early twenties to yoga classes and I really just fell in love with that practice. And I think it's so fun how you change the meaning of the different practices. When Mm -hmm. I first started, it was about the the flexibility and the strength and being Mm -hmm. able to do all the things and I love to move quickly but I have found in my own practice and as I've gotten older I just want to like be slow Mm -hmm. and soft like I just want a nice restorative class to just like lay there and do nothing because we go so fast in our lives that we need time to go down so I again I was trying to figure out what exactly I first thought you know I'll be a mindfulness and empowerment coach Mm -hmm. because there were things that I could like really lean into that way and I have a personality that I feel like that people are attracted to and want to hear the story and that I'm able to help. Mm-hmm. And then um, that kind of just felt like I was trying to throw spaghetti up against the wall. Sure. Um, How so, do I differentiate myself in this super saturated market? And, that's exactly what yeah. it was. And I, and I dug it, but I was like, I feel like it's more than that. Yeah. So I said, okay, going back to the soft skills, what have, what have I done? Like what is marketable? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I've been in business for the past 15 plus years in different industries and different leadership levels, both domestic and internationally. I understand how the workplace works on both ends. Mm-hmm. I saw good and bad in different, you know, small businesses, entrepreneurial startups, and then in large scale nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw similarities, I saw themes, and I that was something kind of always turning in my head without ever wanting to get into HR. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, I realized I can take my experience and expertise because during the pandemic, I also got my meditation teacher training and mindfulness based stress reduction training. Mm -hmm. um, And just, you know, the, the well wellness world and aspect and all that it entails outside of, like a movement practice, Mm -hmm. right? Really leaning more into like the mind body part of things and how that can go. Because I thought for myself, like everybody has these tools that they lean back on when they get stressed or something in the workplace. And I was realizing that was more of a me thing and less of an everybody else in your echo chamber (laughs) exactly you know I had like a handful of other people who had but like most of the time I just saw people who were stressed out but not even knowing how to recognize the stress into them or how to health um address it in a healthy matter exactly and that it's more it's usually much more complex and nuanced than being like hey you should try yoga Mm -hmm. I mean maybe for some people that doorway gets them you know interested and curious and they pick up different skills and they figure out what works for them and they can kind of self-direct that mm-hmm. uh, but other people you know need more specific skills and they're they're like no I'm not gonna like go and take two hours out of my day to drive to a studio pay $20 for class like drive home like that it, I need something that fits my life better than yeah. that right yeah exactly and then even from the business side of it from the workplace side of things realizing that a pizza party is not gonna cut it right <laughs> nope I mean I loved the pizza party too <laughs> but it's so much more and I think we're really moving into a space of where workplace well-being is at the forefront of everybody's mind and so what kind of triggered for me the connection between the two was during the pandemic 
I was seeing all of these essential like cries for help on social media. All these mm. people who are working from home who maybe for the first time in a long time were at home by themselves with their own thoughts and didn't like what was coming up. Yeah. And it was a dark place. It was a bad because be they in. could usually distract themselves for things. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't have to. They could keep their agendas and their and their schedules busy so they didn't ever have to deal with what was happening on the inside. Yep. So if you just numb out and constantly avoid, then you can just kind of, you know, coast along. Um, but when you're all of a sudden forced to sit with that, it brings up a lot of things. Yeah. And so I realized that there was absolutely a space for well-being in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And what I realize where my expertise comes in is that I have the past 15 years of workplace experience so I can speak to people where they're at. Because often I do see where um, you know wellness practitioners will come into the space and treat it like everyone just walked into their yoga studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't think that you can do that because yeah. it's a different it's a different caveat context. it's different yeah context mm-hmm. and i think you have to go in leave like little tidbits of it and if they pick up the tidbits and want to explore further then they can seek on their own mm-hmm. but i think it's this person's job my job to go in and speak to people where they're at with a language that can easily be understood mm-hmm. and so that's where i have kind of found my my bread and butter in that cool. aspect because i understand both sides of things and I just want people to be well in the workplace. And yeah. so much of it starts at the C-suite level mm. and coming down and allowing that permission. Um, but it is constantly, again, you know, when I first started really dealing with that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. of being like, who am I to do this? You know, I, again, we try to belittle our life experiences mm-hmm. and we try to belittle what our value is to And then compare, whatever space. right? Exactly. Like, well, well, this person who's doing similar work has all these credentials and has this and like all this. And it's like, uh, yeah, and that one person can't serve everybody, and they're also not going to be the best fit for everybody. Exactly. And so I really, you know, and I always leaned into this idea of community over competition because mm-hmm. exactly what you said. You're like, there are other fantastic women who are doing um, what we're doing. Try and Luna, those yep. ladies are mm-hmm. incredible, right? And they have different visions than I do as where, how we want to grow because mm-hmm. we've had these conversations. But it's for the same thing, and there's space enough for everybody. Because yeah. exactly what you just said, where you know they might resonate with other people, and I might resonate with this mm-hmm. people. And the thing is that there's more than enough to go around. Yep. When we eliminate that scarcity mindset, and that we can lift each other up, and together we can rise, instead of trying to knock each other down and having that crabs in the bucket mentality, mm-hmm. it's all just for the better. Yeah. So that's been the really fun um, space, and being able to work into that, and just really leaning into it. And the beauty, too, that I always tell people is no matter what industry you're in, don't burn bridges because you don't know where your next client's going to come from or whether like they're hiring. But people are watching whether you think that they are or are not. Yep. And so when I finally kind of landed in, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm leading stress management, cultivating resilience workshops for the workplace and the individual. Mm -hmm and got to present it to my networks that I've had here in the past, they were like, great, amazing, how can we help you? How can we, you know, help push it forward instead of the opposite, right? Of being like, well, who do you think you are? And like, you're not even a good person to be doing this. But Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of it, I feel like, is that there are people who want to help, 
and don't burn bridges. Mm-hmm. Be a good, be a good person. Right. You know, it's interesting. I'm like, what does this say about me? That this is where my head goes. I feel like when I hear something like that, I I kind of am immediately thinking about like, what's the rebuttal? Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, we've heard so much, especially during COVID, um, and now with this like crazy labor crisis that's been going on, mm-hmm. um, that you know, there's people just kind of like giving the F you mm-hmm. to their boss, the company, whatever. And and sometimes we're cheering them on mm-hmm. because it, sometimes workplaces or bosses or whatever can be abusive, yeah. right? Like, Absolutely like there toxic, are situations sure. where, yeah, if you can get the hell out of there, by all means do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not to say, like don't burn bridges isn't saying just be a people pleaser and you know, be in everybody's good graces and everybody has to love you and and back to the martyrdom thing, right? Like, that's not what Mm -hmm. we're saying. No. But I think that there's still so much wisdom in that idea because you might think, well, I don't give a crap about these people. I'm moving on with my life. But you never know how they might play into future opportunities that are a better fit for you like it has like it's happened for you yeah yeah I think about it of like burn burn the institution right but like the <laughs> not pe- the relationship exactly yeah not unless the relationships. it's just someone that you just need to say I'm just not going to engage with this person yeah that doesn't mean that you have to you know then go gossip about them to everybody and exactly. I mean if you need to warn someone maybe don't take a job with them fine but yeah. But, you know, that's another thing I've tried to be mindful of is gossip. And it is it really is so tempting because it's so unfortunately such a uniting like activity that we love to like we're like, oh, did you hear what this person did? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a bond, it's a bonding. It comes it, down it to like is. our primal way of bonding. But we know it's not the best way of doing that. So I'm trying to challenge myself to not do that as much, even when I feel like, oh, but I'm so justified because did you see what this person is charging? And like, I'm, that's not ethical. And well, I don't need to gossip about it. Yeah. You know? I led a leadership workshop on that recently. Um, and it was literally bringing those aspects into it. And the only thing that I could find as a common thread that people can relate to is high school gossip. Mm, yep. Whether you were, you know, the just, gossiper or yeah, the gossip. Exactly. <laughs> like it didn't feel good on either end sometimes. Yeah. And we know when we were on the receiving end of it how it didn't feel. So we get grown up though and we sometimes forget about that. And then in those places though we have to remember well how what do I want to perpetuate Mm. do I want to perpetuate a high school environment or can I have good boundaries and adult conversations Mm -hmm. and good communication and what affects me and what doesn't affect me yeah you know how can I bond with people without having but it is so hard Mm -hmm. it is yep so I want to ask you about one more change um, because you did become a mom during mm-hmm. the pandemic, right? And um, I feel like as someone with no interest in doing that, I, I'm like a little anthropologist studying from the outside. <laughs> um, and, and you know, obviously I observe that, that it changes people's lives in, in different ways and mm-hmm. it's not a monolithic, like everyone has the same experience. So on one hand, it is a massive change to your life, I'm sure. Um, and on the other hand, I just want to say too that even if like your daughter is so central to every single day and is like the most important thing in your world, I just also really appreciate that 
it's very clear to me that you're still a whole person, mm -hmm. even, you know, outsider in addition to being a mom. But yeah, I don't know if there's anything you want to share about just like how, what are the biggest ways that that has changed your life? Yeah. I love that you said that too. Um, and I have several thoughts on that. <laughs> um, one of it, to speak directly what you said about a whole person is there are, I just was having this conversation with somebody else the other day because I said, you know, I, a mom, my mom hat, that is a part of me now mm -hmm. and that does make up me, but it doesn't make up all of me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm still a whole person just as if like I'm um, a partner, mm -hmm. I'm a parent, mm -hmm. I'm a daughter, I'm, you know, X, Y, Z, all the it different. one role that you play. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the, the role is a huge one right now mm -hmm. because she's completely reliant on me. And the, uh, the thing that I found really interesting that came up for me, which I found fascinating when I sat outside of it, was I really struggled with um, how do I run a business, build this, and be a parent. Mm -hmm. A present parent. Present mm -hmm. parent. Because sometimes society makes you feel like you have to choose, and yeah. I really don't like that. Yeah. And the irony is that I was literally raised by a single mom who had a very successful business, <laughs> right? But sometimes How the thing, can I do it? I know, but the things like closest to us, right? Sure. We don't hear You don't want to take advice from people. You have or to like, you hear think, from a stranger. Oh, where there's elements that I didn't like about how how I experienced it, and I don't want to perpetuate that for the next exactly. generation. Exactly. And so I sat with that for a long time, and then I had this realization that there are actually so many women around me that are leading both successful businesses mm -hmm. and successful home lives. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of was able to shed that um, fear a little bit and say, no, I can do both. I can have the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I say this as like, I have this fear constantly coming up with, do we have a second child? Well, I, one is right. fine. I can do one. Like, I'm in it. Two? How is yeah. two, right? And then yeah. I have to constantly think about it. There are women who are doing it and right. couples and families and partners that are doing it. Yeah. And I think it all comes down to your community around you mm -hmm. and the support. And and that includes also, that support includes your resources, exactly. right? Exactly. kind of like you named earlier, like, let's just call it what it is. Mm -hmm like having the income that allows you to have childcare, yeah. adequate childcare when you need it. And, and assuming that most people don't just have like a family member on standby all the time for that, right? Yeah. Um, that that is one thing that allows people to quote unquote succeed in both of those spheres. And that doesn't, you know, mean that, oh, it's just, we're just gonna have the nanny do the parenting. But that's, you know, there, there have to be trade-offs and there has to be, you can't be in five places at once. And so I always liked that notion of like, you know, it's not about like having it all, having it perfect all the time and like perfect work-life balance. It's about like being able to ebb and flow and go that, well, today I'm needed more here mm -hmm. and today I'm need and I just have to be constantly sort of shifting based on what's needed right now. Yeah, and I even tried to throw out that word balance yeah. from like the vocabulary uh -huh. whenever I try to lead stress management because I do I have like workshops for just the employee people as a whole but then also like one specifically towards working parents because mm -hmm. they're the, the idea and the notion of balance is a false narrative 
You'll get there one that, day. You'll have it figured out. No, and, and that's <laughs> never, though. There is never going to be a time where things are at an equal. Mm-hmm. And so I heard Jen Fisher of Deloitte. She's their chief well-being officer. She used the terminology integration. Yes, work-life Work-life integration. Yeah. And that, for me, just made sense because I was like, it's so true. And it's an integrative experience constantly. You know, whatever happens in that in the morning, regardless if you have, you know, pets, plants, or, you know, human babies, that that stress can carry over to the workday. Mm-hmm. And then whatever, however your workday went, that will carry back home. And so that's where I kind of help people learn to, like, manage and mitigate those. But it's all integrated together. And mm-hmm. so saying, like, you're going to have this balance or you're not, no, there's, there's, there's going to be seasons for everything, right? But I feel like if you're constantly keeping the things that are important at the forefront of your mind, it's going to help guide you along your decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes I've been hearing and talking about recently is that, you know, you're replaceable at work, but you're not replaceable at home. Mm-hmm. And I think you off, people often forget that. Right. And, and sometimes it's like may, it may kind of trip up our egos to think about being replaceable at work. Mm-hmm. But we should want that. You know, yeah. even even owners and founders like one of my mentors who I'm going to have on this podcast soon, Jenny Blake talks about she I love she uses the example of let's not talk about getting hit by a bus let's talk about if you were whisked away to Fiji oh I like, like that I'm yeah gonna, yeah I'm borrow like, that one <laughs> how would your business continue yeah. moving forward do you have enough systems and despite how small your team may be if you're a solopreneur solo plus you have a little bit of support like what are the systems mm-hmm. that you know can can make you essentially replaceable because that's how to have a sane sort of integration yeah. of your work and life. And it's so true. It, but like you said, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's like, it hurts our ego. Yeah. Because we're like, I'm actually, I'm irreplaceable. Right. right. And I have to remind people, somebody had this job before you and somebody will also have this job yeah. after you. Where you're irreplaceable is in your relationships. Exactly. Yep. And so uh, those are where I feel like it's really important. But I will say, you know, I never thought I would have loved, um, the moments I got to have with her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I was building my business. Um, and so it really hasn't been until like January, I would say that like, it was like, okay, this is happening. Like, let's make stuff happen. Cool. And so for like the first six months or so of her life, I got to be home with her in a way that I never thought I was going to be able to mm-hmm. because of our system. Right? right. That's the other part of like the systemic issue as well, that just you know, the system is not designed to support working mm-hmm. families. Mm-hmm. Right? You have a brand new baby and they're like, cool, you get six weeks. Oh, you want more? Okay, that's fine. You can take short-term disability at 75% pay. But yeah, you feel free to take those six weeks. And you're just going, I'm sorry, what? Mm -hmm. Right? But I got to be home with her. I got to breastfeed her for a long time because Mm -hmm. I was able to be home with her. And so it's hard to recognize those barriers that, you know, are there. And yet society is constantly going breast is best or breast is best or whatever like that you're like okay well that's not always practical right also there's so many women um and people who aren't able to yeah feed from the chest how about we don't make them feel horrible exactly so you're telling them (laughs) they have to get back to work but they're also still supposed to do this while doing this and you're going you're setting these unrealistic expectations and no wonder people have a sense of failure constantly yeah yeah. So I've been very blessed with all of that. The change has been great. I've learned a lot about myself, um, a lot about my partner and how we work and all of that. And just being able to see her grow and thrive has been so fun. And just what a privilege it has been to be home with her, mm-hmm. but also a privilege to now she's she's older and she needs 
friends and to learn and that's just not my forte yeah you know and to use some of your resources for some childcare where she can get those things and you can then have the time to focus on some of the other things you want to focus on exactly and so that's again going back to like the full transparency it's the part where it's like I could easily spin my story to be like a sob story of being like I lost my job I was five months pregnant I did this and this and this and put myself onto this like pedestal of resiliency there it's still resiliency but it's not to you know the but also with you know the privilege that mm -hmm. you've you know, fortunately, were in exactly. the position that y'all were in at that time. Exactly. Yeah. But the, you know, and so to go back to your initial questions of like, did you intend to do the pivots or the challenges or how do you rise to it? It's a little bit of both. Yeah. It's, you know, taking life on as it happens and allowing yourself the space to make a decision one way or another. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to not only have, uh, my partner's financial support but also his you know emotional support with all of that because it, yeah. it takes two right of what if I had just been like no I really want to do this and him being like well you need to get back to work right mm-hmm. then having to have those conversations but yeah. he's always been so supportive in that aspect but it's um it's a windy road right to end up here but it's one that feels so good and so right mm-hmm. and the fun part is, is that throughout my entire career, even into, you know, childhood, all of my report cards would say, Rosa's a great student, but Rosa talks too much to her neighbors. <laughs> Rosa disturbs her neighbors. And so I was like, okay, it's very fitting that finally I have stepped into a role and position that I get paid to speak. Yes. <laughs> I get paid great. to talk. I get paid to lead workshops and help people and just see their, hear their stories and hold space for them and mm-hmm. facilitate these, um, these means of just little, small, impactful ways. And that's, really how I approach it because people try to overcomplicate things mm-hmm. and sometimes you just not let it be easy yeah do two minutes of meditation instead of 30 minutes of meditation exactly yeah just start back mm-hmm. to where we were at the beginning just start that reminds me I had uh, somebody who said you know and, and I see this a lot in like high-performing people that I work with and just overachievers yep. and you know, all those things and they're like but if I'm if I can't do thirty minutes, then what's the point? And right. I was like, some is better than none. Yes, yes. And that's so much of just how we operate in life. Challenges you know? are black so and it's, white. It's thinking. the classic New Year's Eve, you know, um, res- resolutions. There, that's yeah. the word. Resolutions. Yeah. There, you know, we want to be like, I'm going to work out every single. And you're like, you can't go from zero to nothing and expect right. that habit to stick. Yep. It's a slow build. We're here for the long haul, not yep. just for a quick fix. Exactly. And it's interesting. I, I know I'll talk in some future episode more about this, but um, I was reading a book about change by Katie Milkman. I think it's called How to Change. But anyway, she talks about there's been a lot of research around resolutions and and actually, because I think they got a lot of shade in recent years. Mm-hmm. And understandably, like we can see, well, 80% of them fail. But Think about the other 20% that mm-hmm. may never have happened if somebody had not said, you know what, I'm getting a fresh start, that there's actually yeah. this, the science behind the fresh start is really strong. Mm-hmm. But like, how can we maybe try to set ourselves up for success yeah. by going, what actually fits into my life? Yeah. And if I can succeed by doing, you know, as Jane Clear talks about, the atomic mm-hmm. micro little habit of two habit minutes, stacking, exactly. I can feel successful in that and then I can always build and do more I always tell people it is okay to reset restart what I have is like when I lead through meditation for example I'm like if your mind wanders 20 times that's fine bring it back every time reset return return exactly and it's constantly that if you looked at my journal that I have at home for my quote-unquote journal practice it's like 
will be really good for three days. Yep. And then it's like a month off. Right? Uh-huh. And then it's like, okay, we're back on it. I can't even tell you how many times in my journal it's like, well, I fell off the wagon again. Here we are. Here we're we back. are again. I'm back. You know, but yeah. it's that, to me, it's that practice of returning and yes. resetting as many times as you need to and not waiting for large milestones to do it. It can yes. be like, you know, you can reset in the next hour or in the next day. I yep. love, I personally love Mondays because it's a new opportunity every yes. week versus like people are like, I hate Mondays and I'm like, I get so excited for Mondays. It's a fresh start. It's a, fresh it's a start. little baby fresh start. And, and yes, I'm, I'm a fan of those kind of built in fresh starts mm-hmm. and also like, and I've experienced this today. I got off on the wrong side of the bed because you know what? I was scrolling on my phone when I shouldn't have been for too long. <laughs> so you know what I did was when I when I did get up, I moved my plug to the other side of the bedroom because I'm like, I need a reset. Mm-hmm. I need a week or two who, longer, who knows, where the phone's over there and I don't get on it until I'm out of the bed moving around. I, you know, took me 10 minutes to choose what ride do I want to do this morning? And that I was just in this funk and then I thought, you know what? I can start my day over at any moment. And I'm going to start it over right now. And I there are days where you just have to remind yourself that. I, I get to start my day over whenever I choose. Whenever you choose. But it's having that self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And that's where the practice comes into play. And without judgment, though. Yep. Yeah. And you I mean, and that's literally the definition of mindfulness is the yep. act of paying attention on purpose, but without judgment. Mm-hmm. My definition that I teach is it's creating that pause between the action and the reaction. Yep. yep. Where is that space in between that, you know, when you want to say something, right? And then you're like, I shouldn't say it. Touch every tooth in your mouth with your tongue first. Yeah. (laughs) If you feel like you still want to say it, then like by all means and deal with the repercussions, right? But sometimes it's better. So it's creating that little pause. It's creating Mm -hmm. those moments. But to me, the practice is self-awareness. Yep. And that's truly in in the workplace, in your life, because it is all integrated. It's it's at the crux of change. It's everything, right? You know, your professional hat, your personal hat, all of it, whatever hats you wear. Cool. Tell people where they can find you. All that will be in the show notes and the intro too, but tell us where we can find you. Yes. Easiest place is going to be on Instagram. It's just well-being with Rosa. My website is rosacastano.com. That's the downside of not having a business name is that my name is everywhere. Yes. <laughs> so Love it. just Googling Rosa Castano and we'll connect and we'll have um, a course coming up soon for individuals cool. who would like to have some stress management in their life um, and then in the workplace. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks this for having great. me. I loved our conversation. hope you enjoyed this episode and if you feel moved to share it with someone you think would love it or maybe leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I would be ridiculously appreciative. If you or someone you know has an interesting and inspiring story about change, please reach out and let me know. You can send any interview recommendations to creaturesofchangepodcast at gmail.com. For show notes for this and previous episodes, head over to gaiacenter.co podcast. That's G-A-I-A center.co slash podcast, where you can also check out our sister podcast, Bodyful. You can connect with me on Instagram at Val K. Martin, that's K-A-Y spelled out, and at the Gaia Center, which is the name of my Nashville-based therapy practice.
You can also sign up for the Gaia Center monthly newsletter at bit.ly slash Gaia Center News, where we'll share about groups and events we're offering locally, along with tips and resources from our therapists that we hope will be valuable and relevant wherever you may be listening from. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next time.